G'day everyone, this is the DSO. Just like to apologise for uh, some editing errors that slipped through the cracks in episode 23, our previous episode. I was over in Perth and was trying to do a couple of things at the same time and uh, inadvertently uh, a couple of bits of silence, some bits that we normally would have cut out uh, and unfortunately uh, a word that we would normally bleep out uh, fell through the cracks. Just like to apologise if anybody was offended by that and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey, DSO, don't you hate it when series randomly change the people playing characters for no reason? Yeah, I mean, I can't stand that. That's just, um, it just makes it so confusing. Yeah, I bloody hate it. Thanks, sound engineer. Welcome to episode 24 of The Racing Cast, the Australian motor racing podcast that is really sick of those Clive Palmer ads. I'm the Warbster and joining me are the DSO. Hey Warbster, great to uh, be here for this special edition recording. Yes, and not joining us is the sound engineer who's off... um... Yeah, we've got a bit of a problem with the sound engineer, everybody. He, uh, you know, all those of you that were listening to the last episode know that he went to have his center of gravity checked by the supercars doctor. Um, Unfortunately, he's now being benched. The Australian Podcast Broadcasting Association won't let him broadcast because he currently has an unfair advantage with the low center of gravity. Hmm. Mm. Yes, basically the sound engineer is a Mustang. Yes. He's a bit of a pony. We've got a couple of special guests, Warbster. We do indeed. First of all, joining us in Podcast HQ is our first guest. Hello world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of love is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. So we might not necessarily be able to make him happy, but I'd like to welcome to Podcast Central ADS Australian Driver's Search Amateur Competition winner 2018, Lee Partridge. Mate, great to have you in the studio. Lovely to be here, guys. Thanks for having me on. No worries. And our special guest who uh, has come to us out of California via the Gold Coast, currently at Sydney Motorsport Park. Very much for dialing in and uh, being part of this episode of the podcast. Hey, I appreciate uh, appreciate being on. Good to talk to you guys. No worries, man. Just to put a timestamp on this, it's about six pm on Saturday the eighteenth, the day after the liquidation announcement for Aussie Driver Search. The Warbster and I did some frantic discussion yesterday. Lee's actually a mate of mine, so I was onto him pretty quick, and I reached out to Matt Powers yesterday 
and we had a bit of a chat. Matt agreed to to get on board, so this is a fairly hastily convened episode. Mm. But Matt, we'll start off with you. You were the 2018 Pro Competition winner. In our conversation yesterday, I believe that you tested on when was it Thursday? You tested on Thursday at Winton with Aussie Driver Search. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Thursday was uh, on the test day down at Winton, which uh, yeah was was fantastic. Actually, it was a really good day. Um, yeah, had, had some really good pace. Uh, team was really happy. Yeah, it was a uh, it was definitely not uh, not a sign of what was to come in the next uh, the next. 24 hours, but um, yeah, it was still a really good experience, and, and enjoyed the uh, enjoyed the time on track. I suppose the major major question that sort of a lot of people would like to know is when did you know what was going on? Like, did you have any idea that this was coming? Uh, not not no no is really the answer to the question. <laughs> hmm. um, but you know, there's there's certainly you know conversations happening back and forth, and, and you can kind of read between the lines. Um, so, you know, it was always in the back of my mind of, you know, how much I'd get out of it. Um, certainly did not think it was going to be this quick, but uh, all of a sudden the business was, was no more. That was uh, definitely not my, uh, not my plan whatsoever. Would have, would have uh, liked to have done a little bit more preparation for early in the season to be able to keep racing, uh, keep racing Super 3 this year. So, yeah, mm. definitely caught off, uh, caught off guard for sure. So your first reaction was sort of like a okay, what's going on here, or was it anger? Was it? Oh uh, no, I'd say probably first reaction was like, oh well, bugger. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was quicker than I expected. Uh, now what? So I guess, uh, yeah, I guess get on the horn and, and uh, start making phone calls. And unfortunately, I think my biggest frustration at the time was just that, well, God, if this could have happened the next you know week rather than this week. So Matt, when did you first find out the uh, the ADS liquidation news? Pretty much identical to Matt there, yeah. So I, um, he got the email uh, from Kyle. I think, yeah, actually, sorry, I think I got a text message saying that there was an email inbound and it was important and, and to read it straight away. Um, and yeah, I got the the email which had the attachment to the voice recording. I didn't read it. I I, I actually did the usual right thing and actually read the email first, and it, it stated pretty much obviously what was what was um said in his in his recording yeah and then kyle did actually call me i did speak to kyle um this was probably all just before it went public like literally within half an hour or so so it was all a bit of a whirlwind friday morning between 
both Matt and myself and I'm sure a lot of other people finding out just before it went public within minutes um, because after I'd spoken to Kyle on the phone, uh, my phone just went crazy with messages and missed calls. Um, I was trying to actually do some work for once and um, <laughs> I noticed my phone was going crazy. So I'm sure Matt was the same and a lot of people were the same. You know, that goes for employees of Driver Search to... Um, you know the the contractors to customers to people trying to to get into 2019 comp to everyone that was involved like it just blew up so quick it was um it was a that's of... that's a good point there's probably something that we're thinking about getting to later but i'll jump in on it now you know for those of you listening to the podcast we're, we're lucky enough to be talking to matt powers and lee partridge who between them won the two top prizes from 2018 there's been a fair bit on social media and some of the ones that really get it for me is um, your Joe average guy who's scraped together his 1200 bucks to enter a competition and you know taking next Friday next Tuesday Wednesday whatever it was at Phillip Island taking the day off work sacrificing a day's pay and you know booked accommodation and for him it's it's sort of day one of his dream and you guys have we're in the comp. You've been in the competition a few years, Lee, and and Matt. I'm not thinking you were one or two years in the competition, so you guys know exactly what it's like in the lead up to your to your first opportunity to have the rug pulled out and not to not to diminish what you guys are losing. And then there's the twelve employees. It, it just affects so many people. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's there's uh, yeah. I mean, I mentioned it in one of my one of my social media posts, but um, yeah, it's basically. You know, we're we're definitely affected for sure. But um, some of these some of these people who are you know out here for, for the experience and chance to drive and, and all that kind of thing, I remember being having all sorts of butterflies weeks up to uh, leading up to my Sydney Motorsport Park event back uh, you know pretty much a year ago on the on the day. Um, yeah, which is uh, you know, a little little ironic as well. But um, yeah, I remember showing up and getting excited and, and the whole thing. So, yeah, I think The next, the next part to go to is how does how does both of your families feel about this? Given um, this is all being taken away, I mean, Lee obviously has a fairly stable situation because he, he lives in Australia, he's he's employed here. Matt, I don't know what your situation is. Your family still in America? Yeah, yeah. So I have a I have a fiance in, in California. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, you know, uh, I can't uh, can't thank her enough for all of her support for all of this stuff. Um, for me, you know, some of the trial and tribulations started, you know, a few months ago um, with the switch from Super Two to Super Three. Mm. I'm, I'm glad you so, mentioned. I'm glad you mentioned it because that's where I was about to go. So, do you yeah. want to do you want to do you want to touch on that and, and or expand on that while we're talking? Yeah, yeah. Basically, um, that was kind of one of the first red flags that uh, that popped up. You know, it seems like everything was was going swimmingly, obviously won the competition in, uh, in December, which was, which was the, you know, the ride of life kind of thing, and I decided when I went back to, uh, back to the U.S., it was just too big of an opportunity, Super 2 being what it is, I said, you know, I, I've got a good little career, but I can always come back to this, yep. um, and, and said, you know, this is, this is a great opportunity, and I just need to, I just need to run with it full steam ahead, and so basically put that on hold, if you will, but 
the Gold Coast. Be nice and close to Matt Stone Racing, and found out that was a you know Super Two was going to get going to kick to the uh, kick to the curb for for Super Three, and um, yeah, it was just unfortunately just the way it was handled was my biggest my biggest frustration. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like hey, let's figure out how we can do this because we're a little we're a little stuck on cash, and, and we think you know this is this is the better route to go to keep the business afloat, kind of thing. Um, it was basically just, you know, you're running two years in Super 3. It was like, well, I didn't come here for Super 3. Um, granted, the series is up and coming, and it's really good, and, and I'm excited to have done one round so far in the season and working on, on round two now, but, um, yeah, that's, that's not why I moved my life over and, and to, you know, not even get a phone call before, you know, flew over to, uh, uh, to Sydney to, to basically start the journey. Um, it was a bit frustrating, and then question um and you and i've already talked about this but i just want you to tell us about so you obviously chose to drive the r8 at the grand prix uh, in the gt race as your your first part of the package do you want to tell uh, the warbster and i a bit about what your options were and your discussions with kyle about where you could spend your budget and then maybe maybe roll that to the six hour yes so um i won the, the semi-pro you did say amateur but it was actually the semi-pro comp well that's technically that, that's going to suit us when we take a yeah. photo of your big check <laughs> later and uh, use that on the poster yeah um, so very, yeah. very semi-pro yes so I, I, I won a $150,000 racing budget that's how it was advertised so I'm going to pause you there fine print any strings attached or was it a $150,000 race budget uh, yeah well that's a good question so I did actually um, conversate with Kyle about that what was the fine print and what I could do with it um, I was I was aware that the the advertisement of it was quite simple and it was there was no fine print it was a hundred and fifty thousand dollar racing budget and that obviously is quite a big statement to make so I do I did question Kyle on that um, he did we did have a conversation about how I could use it and it was going to be a little bit of openness about it and um, we could talk about it that was before I even won though so uh, the idea was I could I wanted to race in categories uh, that Aussie drivers which didn't own cars in yeah. uh, i.e. national sports sedans um, so your your background your most recent background is as a sports sedan racer yep Yep. Um, so you're class winner in Victorian Sports Sedan Championships? Yeah, yep. 2017, a two-liter Sports Sedan champion yep. and 2011 champion as well. Yep. Driving um, Mikey Kyvel's Red Rocket. That's it. That's the one. Yep. And um, look, I, I saw Izzy Driver Search as an opportunity for someone like myself to go and race at a level that I couldn't otherwise afford. And that's what it was advertised as in regards to the competition. Yep. Um, I'm not trying to make a career as a driver um it's a very volatile career as a paid driver and i know that i'm a little bit beyond that being 35 years old so the um the competition was appealing to me because it was a way to race at a level that i have never been able to do 
Simple. Yep. Um, I mean, you and I spoke at the Grand Prix and you're like a kid in a lolly shop, man. You're, yeah. You're at, you, know, you, you did some fastest laps. You, you yep. took it up to uh, took it up to Fraser Ross in the McLaren. Yep. Um, you know, you, you performed, I think, as good as you could possibly have imagined given the circumstances and the field and the, yep. the way it all turned out. But for me, I think your Grand Prix four races were... You certainly opened some people's eyes and maybe turned some heads. Yeah, that's it. And so just going back, so I wasn't trying to, to make a career, but I did want to expose myself to avenues of possibly getting co-drives in endurance yep. um, GT stuff. Um, bucket, bucket list stuff? Bucket list dog, gee, exactly. That's what I would love to have done. Yep. And um, and yeah, the, the more it went into it, the more I realized that it wasn't going to work out that way for me in regards to what I could and couldn't do. So what, so. what sort of stuff did you ask Kyle that, about racing, what what sort of what, what did you throw? You mentioned national sports events. What other? Yep. Yeah. What, what, other hurdles, what, what other hurdles did he put in front of you? Um, oh, look, I I did want to do uh, Adelaide R8 LMS, um, which gave me an opportunity to possibly race at Spa. Uh, you know, the winner of the winner of each round of R8 LMS Asian Cup, which was held at Clipsal. Yep. Uh, or well, sorry, uh, whatever it's called these days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll Superloop Adelaide Super 500. Loop. No, no, it's, it, it's still it's still Eclipsal, yeah. man, and they're getting the best sponsorship yeah. for no money. Exactly. It's like Honda Hairpin at Philip Island. That's exactly um, right. So, yeah, so I, I did want to do that. I did want to do some other stuff, and I raised everything from production car racing at yeah, the Bathurst 6-hour to um, national sports sedans and a few other things. And, um, look, the, the Grand Prix worked out really well because Kyle wanted to do that as well, having previous success there with Jay Robson. Yep. Um, and I wanted to do it because a bucket list, going back to what you're saying, bucket list items, you know, um, not many people get to race at Grand Prix, at the Albert Park track. And, and it was probably my only opportunity to ever race there. So I wanted to take that up. And um, lucky enough, I did get to do that. But yeah, there was, I, there was a I, few other things I didn't. Pu- pu- pull a fair chunk out of your 150k budget. Yeah, it did. It did. I mean, GT racing is expensive. Yep. Um, and I knew that. Kyle knew that. And we, we we all knew that it was going to take a fair bit of my budget to race at the Grand Prix. But we both wanted to do it. I mean, Aussie Drivers Edge wanted to do it for exposure for the company. I get that. That's That works well. Um, and I wanted to do it as a bucket list item. So it, it did work really well. Um, and it, yeah, it did take a lot of money. Um, the, the Audi R8s are not cheap cars to to run when you compare them to what I'm used to at, at, at that amateur level. Yep. Um, and then of course throw in the damage and that, that as well. It gets very expensive weekend. But you know that's that's how what it was. Did you got? I mean, did you get the impression though that Kyle Austin was more interested in the exposure than you using your hundred fifty thousand? I suppose because we both kind of wanted to do it it probably got we probably got a little bit washed up in our own ideas oh, I really wanted to do the Grand Prix he really wanted to do it for his own exposure so mm. I think it was just more luck that it worked out well for both of us Matt I'll, I'll, I'll ask you that question too do you think at any time that Aussie driver search was bigger than Matt Powers the winner of the Pro Comp Um, you know, the way it was told to me, it was, it was just a money thing. And, you know, at the 
That's 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 typical PR. That's that's typical PR stuff, Matt. But yeah. that wasn't what you won. I mean, we yeah, played a vi- we, we played the video on episode twenty two of them clearly saying Matt Powers has won a Super Two drive, which was then not produced. Did you ever? I mean, obviously, I did report on the fact that you were c- contemplating um, legal action along with Matt Stone against Aussie Driver Search. Was that ever a possibility, or was that just howling in the wind? Uh, dovetails nicely um, in Kyle's statement he talked about the fact that um, you know he, he, he hasn't run the business as well as it probably could have been run and there was a major cash flow issue uh, at about 6 minutes and 45 seconds not that I was counting into his statement he had, had a little bit of a dip at us um, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily direct but it was pretty obvious that you know people was people were saying bad things about him um, you know, we, we, we challenged the business model. We didn't say anything bad about him. Um, well, we, what, what we said was is that we questioned whether or not he had the ability to run an entity that was going from 286s or two Toyota 86s to be specific to the R8, the supercar, the BMWs, the 86s and all of the infrastructure yeah, required. Ute and all the other transporter, Ute, all the other stuff that he talked about. But, but one thing in that, Matt, that goes back to my question to both you and Lee. The success of the entity is based around as much positive publicity as he could to continue to sell yeah. seats in the 2019 competition. Because what we hinted at in 20 in our episode 22 was that maybe the bucket wasn't full enough, and that he needed as much income for the 2019 competition to top up yours and Lee's and. Uh, young Hamish and uh, and the others, all the other probably kids in the eighty sixes to, to top up all that prize pool, um, and and you know we, we we weren't out to all we did was we ask some objective questions. He threatened the Warbster with some legal action. I've since heard that um, don't feel special Warbster. Yeah, you're not, the, no, you're not the only one that he's threatened legal action on. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure about that stuff. Question, um, question where was that? You know, the, the, the going from 
do a little bit stuff in hindsight. So, you know, give me the benefit of the doubt there. But, you know, that's really what hurt the business. You know, people are calling it, oh, I grew too fast, all that kind of thing. Well, the issue is, you know, before you before you try to grow, you know, it's always good to, to push your business, but you have to make sure you're, you are successful where you're at, right? And um, I think that was a challenge, and that was something that you guys were bringing up, which was, which was completely valid. I remember listening to that, uh, that podcast going, Thanks. You know, what, um, what, what are you thinking? Yeah, baby. <laughs> you know, I mean, a little bit. You know, at the same time, I knew that any bad publicity was gonna was gonna hurt the business's chance to, to fund my ride. So it was, you know, I had uh, I was holding the uh, holding the sword on both uh, both ends. You know what I mean? It was just um, yeah, it was tough to say. You know, because I knew what the business does, but you know, the lack of the lack of funding they'll have to to keep me going and. I think I think the main concern for us was not necessarily that um, yourself, Lee, and everybody, and all the other winners were not going to get their prizes so much. But as we we come back to is the fact that there were ordinary people putting in money that was, I mean, three grand for a lot of people isn't much, but for people on minimum wage, that's a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. So there has to there has to be a public interest. I suppose there has there has to be mindful of both your interest as a winner. And the the public interest as a, a the making sure people don't make decisions that are really terrible and actually think about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%, yeah. So I'll throw some numbers around. Um, I was lucky enough to see the My 105 ad for the FG Supercar today, courtesy of uh, someone I know, flicked it over to me on Messenger. So apparently Kyle paid about 180k for the FG Falcon. Lee, do you know what he paid for the R8? Oh, I actually don't know uh, what he paid for the so, R8. All right, so I, but, but based assume... around what you know and where you yep. work and all the things you do, yep. um, what's the going rate? What, 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 what's the R8 worth? I think second hand, it probably would have been low 300s. Yeah, okay. 320. Mm. It's yeah, a speculation, so, but so, I so let, let's say somewhere between 275 and 325. Let's, yep. give, him, let's give him some spread. Yep. So, uh, Practic- so Practically half a mil. So he's close to half a mil. Then he throws in a transporter, gobbles up a few more race 86s. Um, it's a hell of a big outlay all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for him to come out and say in his statement that's currently still on, online and will, that he only sold 51% of the pro competition last year. Matt, it's going to sound like I'm, I'm being rude about it, but I'm, I'm, please believe me, I'm not. When you only when you budget for a $600,000 prize and you sell 51%, you may only have enough for a three hundred thousand dollar prize for twenty nineteen, and you know um, it's really obvious that the Matt Stone stuff or not, um, he uh, he just plain ran out of cash. But Lee, yeah. I'll just touch on Matt. Matt has hinted, you know, that when he found out yesterday, it was sort of like, oh well, I'm sort of <laughs> the writing was on the wall. How are you feeling? I mean, you're aware of some stuff that. Kyle was doing with regards to uh, somebody that we both know, uh, looking at merchandise and trying to get, trying to hook an investor, um, and that goes back a fair way. I think that, go, lo- that, go, that goes back to not long after we uh, released episode twenty-two. In fact, yeah. So, but what I'll also say is, he raced at the six-hour in a production car. You asked him about racing at the six-hour. Tell me, tell me where that, where your head's at with that. 
Yeah, look, I honestly never really thought too much about that until late Friday, yesterday. Yep. Um, uh, you know, I sort of got off the phone to Kyle and I sort of almost felt sorry for him and the whole thing was, you know, it was just sad. But then the more I thought about it and the more things started to twig in my mind and I do remember having a conversation and, and putting forward production car racing as part of my budget and sort of in a roundabout way getting that washed away from me as the ability to do that with my budget mm. and then seeing him race and look, oh, sorry, looking back and seeing that him race at the six hour at the Bathurst at Easter time. Um, I'm I'm pretty confident and I can say it that he probably would have known that there was some kind of demise happening back then with his with his business he would have had to have known it wasn't hmm. going that well, well I, um, I, and the I, fact I, that he was on track using not just my money not just Matt's money but you know all those punters that are putting in entries um, and every, everyone that's put money towards him um, yep. and that he's out there just spending it knowing that there's these companies not going that well um that, yeah, that kind of grates me a bit. Well, the same way that his um, wife posted, oh, I finally got to drive the R8 on Thursday. Yeah, interesting, Matt, that they were parallel testing just uh, for everybody's benefit. Whilst Matt was testing at Winton in the Super 3 car in the FG Falcon, they were parallel testing up at Wakefield, apparently in preparation for uh, the first competition round of the year. All of his crew and his family and everybody got drives. Now... You know, we can hindsight's a beautiful thing, but you know they were all getting a, finally getting a drive as a as a farewell present, so to speak. Matt. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was actually at that at that day as well. That was Tuesday. Oh, okay. Uh, yep. Yep. At Wakefield, and uh, yeah, that was the first uh, test day of the year, the first event of the year um, to be you know used for anyone who was doing the Sydney competition. Yep. Um, or just people who wanted to come out and drive the cars. So, uh, just yeah, hang on, I'll just, I've got a question on that. So, yeah. would he have been gaining income on Tuesday? Were there people paying money to drive the cars Tuesday? Uh, that you, that, that, no, no. I, getting money in literally on Tuesday, but he would definitely have been bringing in money for the, the people that drove on Tuesday before that. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. okay. They were, they were that's, paying customers. That's, yeah, so the, they were paying customers in the cars Tuesday. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Sir, uh, have you got any other questions for Matt? I'm, I'm, I'm aware of his tight timeline. Um. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's uh, let the poor man go because he's going to have to try and uh, pull his uh, deal together to try and race uh, next weekend. So we're very appreciative for your time, Matt. Thank you for coming on. I guess I guess the final question is saying that you can't get something together for the rest of the Super Three season. What happens, or are you not even considering that as an option? Uh, no, I'm not really considering that as a uh, as a as a dumb driver. I'm, I'm just focused on what I can focus on, <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, which is trying to get on the grid. You know, um, so yeah, that's what I'm focused on. Obviously, if if we can't put, you know, the way I look at it, if I can't put anything together at all ever, well then. 
that feedback and support from everybody has just been fantastic. So, I don't know, if I can't, if I can't leverage that and, and, uh, and make a run for it, then No, I, I, I think, look, from, from our point of view, mate, it's, um, thank you so much for, for giving us your time. Um, a, as you know, my, uh, not quite sure if you're aware of my alter ego in the podcast is, uh, is a character called Spanner, who's uh, absolutely over the moon with super utes. So me and Spanner, me and Spanner will be up at Winton next weekend. So uh, I'll, uh, we've got each other's number. I'll make sure that we catch up. Um, I'll buy you a cup of coffee. and Yeah. And actually, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'll see you uh, in a car. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Hopefully, I'll shake your hand after uh, after uh, getting out of the car and all that kind of thing. That'd be great, Matt. Really appreciate your time. Enjoy uh, enjoy the TCR racing tomorrow, and we'll uh, we'll catch up next week. Really want to thank you so much for your time on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, yeah, talk to you soon. No worries. Cheers. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> So we need to go safety car boards and flags, safety car boards and flags, safety car boards and flags. Hey mate, it's a supercharged VS Calais. I got it from my nonna after Papa died. It's got a 4,000 watt subwoofer in the boot mate, it pulls 12 second quarters. Insurance? Yeah, with my shit record mate, no one will touch me. Not even Shannon's. Shannon shares your passion. Call Shannon's on 13 46 46. Shannon's Insurance for Motoring Enthusiasts. Working hard to make a living, bringing shelter from the rain. A father's son left to carry on blue denim in his vein. No. Answer your bloody phone. I'm trying to sleep over here. Jesus. It's the draw of you, Australia phone. Doesn't ring very often. Uh, hello, this is Spanner. Yeah, hi, it's uh, it's Lee here. How you going? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, you interested in the uh, drive you to Australia, mate? Yeah, I uh, I seen the ads on online and I thought I'd um, I thought I'd probably be a good uh, good fitting applicant for it, mate. No worries. So uh, you want to enter or what do you want to do? Oh, I think I'm the best that ever was. I'm pretty sure it's mine already. Right. So. Uh, Tell me a bit about yourself, mate. Uh, so, who, who are you, Lee? Have you ever driven a race car before, mate? Yeah, I've driven 14 and a half race cars before. I hang on, hang on. 14 and a half? Yep. Did you crash one? Maybe. Right. Go on, so you're 14 and a half race cars? Yep. Bendigo Car Club, 2001 Junior Champion. Uh, all the way through to 2015 Porsche 944 Rookie of the Year. 2017 two liter sports sedan champion. Uh, two two liter sports sedan champion. Yeah, mate. Yep. Yep. Did you drive Kyle's Red Rocket? Yeah, mate. You're a fucking legend, mate. Oh, I'll tell you what. Did you say Red Rocket? No, no, no. Not like that. It's not like a Kelpie, you dickhead. So listen, Lee. Um, I reckon's I reckon's uh, when I get your shit off the ground. You want to come on board as one of my key instructors? I mean, that's what oh, I'm calling for, mate. I'm, um, I'm in awe of your ability. I mean, uh, better Shut up! I tell you, I, I reckon I can hand you the keys to the WB. You reckon? Oh shit, yeah, mate. Yeah. That'd be an honour, mate. Oh, I'll tell you what. So, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it first on the podcast. Driver you to Australia. One eight hundred Spanner. 
fucking get around it and you'll get Lee Partridge as your driving instructor because that dickhead Kyle Austin fucking went to shit. Microphones part, here. Part two, number two, with microphones. Now it's fucking plugged in. In three. You sure, it doesn't have red wine in it. No, it doesn't have red wine in it. Just checking. Just checking. Thank you so much. In three, two, one. Welcome back to episode twenty-four of the Racing Cast, and a big thank you to Matt Powers for his time once again. Um, Lee Partridge is going to stick around. Thanks, Lee. No worries, guys. Good to be here. And I think we're just going to uh, open it up to just some uh, general chat. We'll probably drift backwards and forwards towards Aussie driver search, but uh, Lee's well known and well connected within uh, racing, so he's been I kind just, with his time. So I just, thank I you. I just want to say that um, on behalf of my very good close personal friend Spanner, mm-hmm. I'm. Um, I'm a little bit heartbroken that um, Drive U Australia 1800 Spanner is mm. uh, going to have someone better at instructing than Spanner. Mm. So, Lee, um, <laughs> how many race cars have you actually driven in your time? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, that'd be a good question, actually. Oh. Um, I'd need to look back through it. I've got a on my racing Facebook page. I've got a, an album. Uh, chariots that I've steered over yep. the years, and I know that there's quite a few that aren't in that folder. Um, but I pride myself on being a bit of a, a varied driver, driving lots of different cars, H-pattern, three-pedaled, two-pedaled, paddle shift, sequential, yep. the whole lot. Um, and and that's more of a um, an enjoyment thing than anything. I just like challenges. So there's definitely been lots of different cars. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting into that WBU one day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, we touched earlier on, uh, you know, on... ADS budget for for you sort of was bucket list. If I was, um, if for some miraculous reason I was the owner of Aussie Driver Search and I had the balance of your racing budget in cash in my pocket, what would you do with it? Where would you where would you go? Who who did you speak to through the year? Where were you? What 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 lured you? What 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 was your what, what's the what's another bucket list car for you to run in if if you had the budget? One thing I would say is I, I did really like to knuckle down and try and get enduro drives in GT. Yep. Um, but that aside, uh, if you look at bucket list cars and things I really did want to do and try and tick off was definitely TCR was one. Uh, yeah, national sports sedans. <laughs> well, it's an interesting fit there. If you talk about national sports sedans, the car that everybody would want to drive that is available would be John Goulet's Audi. Mm, yep. Um, and, uh, and knowing where you work with the Audi shirt on, yep. you'd be in an Audi in a TCR. So, uh, yep. you know, nothing like the four circles. No, definitely. And there was a conversation I had with John Goulet uh, about trying to get into his car uh, for a one-off round because I wasn't able to do the whole series with my budget. Yep. That was one mm. of the things I wasn't allowed to do. Um, but, yeah, I'd really... Like I pointed out, uh, like what Matt pointed out before, driver search finishes. It doesn't mean that we stop doing what we're doing. Um, well, so, you're, I, but you're a racer, man. That's, correct. Yeah, you know, and, and and I know you as a racer. Yep. 
Uh, also, know he was a decent bloke, but I know he was a racer. Yep. So we, we really want to try and just stay out there. You know, the, the the demise of driver search doesn't stop my passion for being in a race seat. Um, so, you know, I would still like to put deals together with sponsors to try and land drives like in John Goulet's Audi, um, possibly even TCR. Uh, yep. S5000 is a bit of a cool one I'd really like to have a drive of. That's, I was going to say that you know, S5000 is probably... It's pretty aspirational, but you, you're probably on a list of maybe 35 people that would love to drive one of the 15 that are out here. No doubt. No but doubt. I think the biggest problem with S5000 at the moment is is that um, no one's prepared to put their hand up and buy them. We, we just don't, for some reason, and maybe it's money, maybe it's population numbers, we just don't seem to have the, the no. benevolent car owner. I think Who's I think prepared to put the money up up front. Part of it's also going to be sort of, I mean, demographically, yes, Australia has a small population. Let's not fool ourselves here. I mean, the American West Coast has more population than we do. Quite some, some considerable amount of um, amount, and also that sort of limits you money-wise. It also limits you in terms of popularity. How many series a country can support? Yeah, but there's, there's got to be. There's got to also be a. A progression between all the categories because no matter the no matter whether our population's small like we have in Australia or a large population in America, there's guys that want to go racing and they have a certain budget level. So there's guys that can afford five thousand dollars a year. There's guys that can afford ten thousand dollars a year. There's guys mm. that can afford fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, all the way up to your million dollars a year. So there's there's almost got to be categories for everyone. Um, and, and we do tend to whinge a lot about there being too many categories in Australia or new categories coming along and oh, not, not another category. But there's so many different value levels that people can afford in Australia that you've got to almost appease each one of those different levels. Mm. So therefore, you, you, you do end up with a lot of different categories. So I don't have a problem with a lot of different categories, but these high-level categories, TCR, S5000... Um, I do worry that there isn't the population to that can afford to own the cars because there's lots of people um, and being in my position with work and everything, I've seen a lot of people want to lease cars and lease drives, but there's no one out there putting their hand up to own the cars. And there's a significant amount of risk in that too. Um, you know, if I, I think a TCR car's somewhere around 200, 220, they're pretty cheap for what you get. Yeah. They're, they're, they're pretty cheap for what they are. Um, and I think um, plus with TCR you can also then turn around to potential sponsors and say hey we're on SBS for three hours of race weekend yep that's 21 hours of coverage yeah free to wear free to wear there's, there's a few little hooks for that but say, say I'm um, say I'm you know, Sam Smith who has bought just who's, who's got a bit of spare coin line around and I've just spent 450 on a, on a pair of TCR cars um, I've got to get a return on that investment Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think we were talking earlier um, before we came back on air that uh, somewhere around sort of 30, 35 in running costs if you want to get into a car and then there's a lease cost. I think you said something like 10 around to lease it. Yep. So that's so, so I've got a, if I've bought a car, I've, I've got three years to make back my lease cost notwithstanding the Peter Brock ruling at the tax office that lets me yep. 100% yep. Uh, 100% uh, write off the value of my racing car if I'm a business. You mean that? You mean the 11 or 14? Sorry, yes, the 11 or 14 ATO ruling <laughs> that, that nobody, nobody know, that everybody knows about, but nobody knows what it's the real number, the real number of the tax ruling is. So yeah, if I if I'm an investor, 
I've got to be a philanthropist. I've got to be a benefactor. I've got. I can't. I can't take it on as a business investment. Well, you've got to sort of Bicky be like a James Rosenberg or a perfect um, example. Someone of that ilk. Yep. And John Goulet to a certain degree too. Mm, mm. You can drive John Goulet's car for a hell of a lot less money than you know than it should than he should be charging. Because yep. John loves having the car out there, and the fact that he and Ron are building a second one. Spotting. Yeah, they they love the sport, and and he loves to give back. Yeah, and probably also need to account for the dry cleaning bills after you saw your saw yourself given how quick that thing is <laughs> and shoes you need new shoes after you chase the car towards the oh, track as yeah. it tries yeah. to return <laughs> obviously you're gonna keep chasing stuff lee you're yeah you're sure. obviously I'm, i know you've got irons in the fire and we don't have to necessarily talk about them on here but um you know we'll, we'll see you Zip back up in a race suit by the end of the year, I'm sure. For sure. So I've already, since the Grand Prix, I managed to land a drive in a Time Attack car, Victorian Time Attack event. Yeah. Uh, Freddie from Top Stage Composites was um, kind enough to ask me to steer his car for him. Uh, so that's Freddie from Top Stage Composites. Hit him up for uh, <laughs> any composite material you need because yeah. he's a good bloke and he looked after Lee. Yep, spoiler. Unlike Kyle Austin, who's not and didn't. <laughs> So, so, um, ouch, there's a knife out. Ah, there's a first aid kit over there. Go and get it. So there was, there was that drive, which is cool. Um, yeah. and that will probably hopefully lead to world time attack and some other, oh, yeah, November, and November at Eastern uh, Creek, October, October, Eastern Creek. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's definitely a few other Next things. things. Yeah, exactly. So there's, there's definitely a few other, as you said, irons in the fire. Um, even though, as I've said many times before, I'm not trying to have a career as a professional driver I do enjoy driving cars professionally if that makes sense yep. um, at a professional level anyway and um, any chance that I can get I'll, I'll race it whether it be Red Rocket or, or World Time Attack you know I'm, I'm happy to jump in a car as long as it's got a, a roll cage and a throttle pedal I'll jump in it but and without, without saying like I'm going to piss in your pocket um, you go okay we, we know that from your lap times we know from who you passed you know from the, in, the, in, the, in, the, um, in the R8 at the Grand Prix yep. um, you know you you, you, you've got a, you've got a proven track record in terms of your wins. Yep. Pretty much everything you've been in, you've been at the pointy end. You've been fast, so um, you know you you can absolutely hang your hat on that too. Yeah, well, there's like there's a few different things to look at. Like um, I might have only just been exposed to some decent coverage with driver search at the Grand Prix. Um, and people might have only just seen me then and think, oh, who's this Lee Partridge guy? But I have been racing circuit level, circuit racing for, at a state level and national level for 18 years, yep. um, pretty much half my life. So I have been around a long time, which makes me feel really old. Um, but, you know, yeah, I was proud of the, the results that I got from the Grand Prix, second fastest car in the last race, mm. fastest Audi, um, a few different things like that. These little, little things that not many people see, but I certainly... That's what I do it for. You know, I don't need other people to see it, but those those little things made me really walk away with a smile, regardless of the damage bill and regardless think, of all the other I things. Think it's, I think it's called being a headset champion. Yeah, well, I mean, you, to be a race car driver, you've got to have a little bit of an ego, I think, regardless mm. of whether you're at a paid professional level or whether you're at a, mm. a, a high-level sort of amateur level. Yep. You, you're going to have a little bit of ego. You have to carry some confidence, and it's interesting yeah. to look at. Um, I've had a little bit to do with National Formula Ford on and off for three or four years. It's interesting to see, um, you know, there's there's a bit of flex and a bit yeah. of strut from the 16 and 17-year-olds. Yep. Um, some do, some don't, and you can sort of... That almost parallels with... 
where they are in the timesheets yeah. and, and who ends up wearing the championship. I, but I, if, if you want a lesson in feeling old, <laughs> yeah, go, go for a walk through the paddock at a National Formula 4 yeah. round, my friend. Well, I, I'd really like to... I mean, I, I actually enjoy giving back to some people within motorsport. You know, I, I've actually done a little bit of driver coaching recently and I've got a little bit coming up and I'm, I actually really enjoy giving back. Yep. And it leads me to my point of, say, National Formula Ford. I'd really like to go to those rounds and talk to those kids and really get a feel for where they're at because when I was young, when I was uh, 16, 17 and racing Formula V, yep. um, I, I went to bed every night thinking that I had a chance at becoming a professional race car driver. And looking back on it now, I never really ever had a chance. Mm. And... If I'd had my wisdom now back then, I, I could have turned the way I could have turned my whole perception of what I was doing around and enjoyed my motorsport a lot more. Um, where I think I actually took it a bit too seriously for no reason. Um, yeah. So a lot of those kids, you know, they're coming through. They they're so professional. You, you talk to these kids and they're so mature for their age. It's amazing if you watch National Formula Ford Facebook channel. Yeah. Um, the post race interviews yep. and after qualifying, and you're getting kids that are uh, this Callum Hedge kid. He's um, yep. 15 years and five months, and and you know, admittedly, he's, he's been well groomed in terms of his motorsport for a couple of years in New Zealand and. But they, they speak so confidently, yeah. and they are just—they just carry themselves so well. Yep. Um, well, I think the the case is now that they're doing media training as part of their driver training, if you want to say that. Yep. Um, because the commercial side is so important these yeah. days, and also because the—I mean, back in like when we were sixteen, seventeen, I mean, most of the time, half the young guys couldn't you know string a sentence together. Yep. And these or, days, you just can't get away with that. Or, and I, but I wonder whether that's the proliferation of social media, that mm. it, we live in a YouTube and social media world. Correct. Um, and I think, you know, I, I'm the oldest of the three of us. And I, go, I go way, way back from when I was 16, but you're spot on. You, mm. If you had to stand up in front of 100 people at school, you'd, you'd be looking at your shoes and you'd be stammering away. I, I wonder whether it's because we live in a more digital world and a more now world that that's part of it too. Well, for sure, because you see you see some kids and motorsport for, unfortunately, for a fair part of it, it's a coachless sport. So even some of the kids in national sports and uh, sports, uh, sport levels like National Formula Ford, etc., they might not have had a coach or anything, but they have grown up watching so many YouTube clips, TV, they know exactly what they need to be yep. because there's so much more access to to seeing the whole aspect of it. Like back when my, our parents were kids, the, the motorsport uh, heroes of the day, they were up on a podium with a wreath around their neck spraying champagne with four girls around their neck and, yep. and they were racing a car. And that was pretty much all you seen. Yep. You didn't see all of the rest of the sport. And these days, the kids so much more access to what they need to be it almost just becomes natural to them and they don't even need to be told what to do they know that they need to be good in front of a camera mm. um, I, th I think also when we were sort of growing up the actual median age of drivers in the ATCC which is now supercars was a heck of a lot higher because you had your, your Peter Brocks your Dick Johnsons your Larry Perkins yep. your Jimmy Richards and these were all guys in their 40s and 50s which comparatively now I think the average age of the supercars grid's like 27, 28 I think the difference that's a good point Warbster I think the other thing with back then is 
the people who were driving touring cars <clears throat> were either established and had someone paying their bills or they were older, oh, the guys were older coming in um, because they were paying the bills themselves. Hmm. So it was far less prevalence of uh, son of a rich father. Um, you had a lot of kids in Super 2, Super Cars and Super 2. Alex Rulo is a perfect example. Mm, Kostecki's um, would be another Kostecki's one. are another one. that They're there because they can afford it. And I suppose the same thing at national level Formula Ford. Um, you know, it's if you want to... If you want a car with Mick Ritter for the year, people talking about somewhere between 150 and 200 with all your test days and yep. seven national rounds, that's a lot of coin. But don't I, don't think... know, I don't know many 16, 16-year-old kids that have got 200 grand in the bank. Yeah, Just... when, I, when I was 16, I didn't pay 200 grand for Sonic. No. It was like 100 bucks. He was a hedgehog the video store. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think it goes all the way through to even right up the very top, say to Formula One, where you've got people paying for drives and it's, all, it's a known fact within motorsport, but talent is still part of it yeah people tend to argue the point and say oh there's no talent anymore there's people just paying their drives but these guys you, you whether it be pastor maldonado um stroll stroll perfect example um he didn't just buy a drive he bought a whole bloody team yeah, yeah. but they they spend their every waking moment mm. on being a professional race car driver whether it be fitness whether it be training now they might not have the the outright raw Ability, ability, natural of, ability of your. I don't even want to compare them to people, but you know no. your Hamiltons and, yep. and, and oh, Schumachers and Alonzos and stuff. But um, I, I, as an Australian, I'm obliged to say Dan Ricciardo. Yeah, but I mean, you look at even Dan Ricciardo, and you look at Lewis Hamilton, and all those guys. There was a lot of money involved in getting them where they are, regardless of mm. talent. You know, the the stories of people coming through motorsport purely based on their talent. Um, I mean, I don't know 100 percent facts, but it's pretty obvious that even those kids that do get through purely based on talent, they still had some money. I have to. Well, Whether it was Lewis, family Lewis, money Lewis, or... Lewis Hamilton came through because uh, Ron Dennis and McLaren paid for him. Dan Ricardo, Vettel, half the grid pretty much came through with um, Red Bull at some point or another. Yeah. Um, there's, 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 you know, there's, there's, always, there's always going to be a benefactor. I mean, Leclerc came through on um, Ferrari's Driver Academy. So the money still has to come from somewhere. But if you look back all the way th- back to pre-war motorsport, you know, it was old Dukes and Lords racing these cars around. Mm-hmm. They could afford it. Mm-hmm. So And, and, Dick, mes- and Dick Seaman, one of the worst names for them. And they're, uh, yeah, they're Maserati, <laughs> the Maserati 250Fs. All, you yeah. know, when you look at Fangio and all these others post-war, it was, yep. you still had to have old family money to be yep. able to afford the, the best bits. Correct. So. So. We whinge and piss and moan about, you know, oh, we don't have the money and or, or he's got the money and doesn't have the talent. I mean, it, at the end of the day, this sport requires both to be at the optimum level. So. Do you know I'm the poorest, most talentless non-race driver in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm stuck here doing a podcast. <laughs> I'm glad you said doing a podcast and not just pointing at me going, I'm stuck with him. Because no. no. I'm, 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 tal- I'm a talentless never was as well. But I, I'm, I'm more than happy to admit that because, um, I, I mean, I never really thought I was ever going to be a racing car driver I just love the sport and I love the personalities around it and yep. people like Matt Powers and Lee who have been so kind with their time are part of the part of the attraction to the sport because most of the guys in motor racing are genuinely good blokes yeah oh 100% I've even through uh, my work through Melbourne Performance Centre you know, a lot of the clients that own the RDR8 GT3 cars um, we're talking like high end businessmen a lot of money 
Mm. Not a lot of time on their hands. Um, but whenever you see any of them, they are just great blokes. Yep. Yeah. You know, Steve but, McLaughlin's. But think things. All like, those guys. They're but, brilliant guys. But when you see them in the race car, or if they're at a track day, or whenever they're out in their car. That's the happiest you might see them for the week. Other, other than <laughs> yeah. if they land a deal and make another hundred million, for but sure. it, that that's their happy place, and for they sure. can afford. Yeah, they can afford an expensive GT car because they can. Yeah, good but, on them. But but and you know some, well, you could be Rod Salmon and have the biggest yacht in Sydney Harbour and as many race cars as you want. But some people buy a farm. Some people go shooting. Some people buy race cars. Some people buy a fishing boat. It's some people gamble. Yeah. Some people do all sorts of weird things. So yeah. Roger, you know, Roger Penske buys DJR. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's a comparison that was to the center console of the, the car. No, that was that was out of the center console of the Gulfstream. Yeah. Apparently, he made an offer to uh, Roland for Triple Eight in uh, at Perth. Really? You see? Yeah. That, that was what they were talking about. Oh, right. <laughs> I missed that. Missed, no, I missed that. Garth and I must have been at the bar. Hi, Garth. Not the Garth. No, our, our path goes. Sorry, Lou, we keep cutting you off. No, that's all right. I was just saying that there's actually a really good comparison to um, customer level racing, like like uh, GT, Australian GT. Yep. Um, and say what I do, Victorian state level series, it's hobbyists. It's yeah. it's, it's hobby level, passion, fun level motorsport. Um, but the guys in GT land, they just have a higher budget to do the same thing. I look at the way that they approach their weekends and their, their way they approach their hobby and their sport. It's very similar to the way I, tr- I approach state-level racing in, say, Red Rocket. Uh, so here's, here's the comparison then. You've driven the Red Rocket, you've driven the R8. Mm. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the R8's an easier car to drive than the Red Rocket. No, nah, not necessarily. Yeah. In, in ways, yes, and in ways, no. Um, the R8, uh, I suppose you, you're probably leading me to get very descriptive on the two cars oh you don't have to um, but the... we're, we're not very technical on this podcast <laughs> we make it up as we go you can you can change the rules feel it, free it's pretty cool the, the, the R8 was a very uh, physical car to drive in regards to G-forces on the body yep. uh, but brain power uh where, where you pour your brain power is, is a bit different. So um, the, the R8, you don't have to think about the technical side of the car. You don't have to worry about gear changes, um, locking brakes, um, and wheel spin because mm. you've got traction control, ABS, and paddle shift. You, that becomes very subconscious. Where in the Red Rocket, say, uh, two-liter sports sedan, we're talking sequential uh, gearbox, which is um, left foot braking, so clutchless downshifts. So you're, you're managing brake locks with your left foot and you, you're, you're registering throttle inputs with your right foot for downshifting and you, yep. you, all these inputs and you've got to, so your brain power is poured more into the technical side of, of Red Rocket where the, the R8, you, you're pouring your brain power into the, the physical load and, and the speeds and everything that go with it. I suppose the only consistency between the R8 and the Red Rocket he's in the R8 you're trying to get around Fraser Ross and, and in the Red Rocket Bruce Henley's in your way <laughs> yeah. yep yeah that's pretty much it yeah. uh, for those for those who um, aren't as inside as we are so we're getting a bit inside um, inside talk here What what is Red Rocket what is it uh, so Red Rocket <laughs> is a the illustrious uh, RX-7 Space frame car. Yeah, it's based on our early RX-7. So we're talking early 80s RX-7 body shell. So Moffat era yep. RX-7 yep. body so shell. So Series 1, Series 2, yep. kind of RX, RX-7. Uh, Mike Kyle, absolute legend of this sport. Uh, he's now located in Benalla. Uh, he built the car. 
and it was yeah full space frame built car he built this the chassis the bodywork you name it he built it by hand in his mm. shed pretty much by himself he had a few so really t- typical ones. Aussie sports sedan very very, very yeah. typical and this is a two litre sports sedan I might add so mm. uh, it has no turbos it has no big V8s mm. it's a it's a two litre naturally aspirated Nissan SR20 engine mm. and the fanciest part of the car was the gearbox which was a six speed H pattern a uh, six speed sequential gearbox sorry Hollinger no it was a TTI gearbox yep um, but so no flat shift there was no technology in the car at all it had analogue gauges um, you know the, the rear view mirrors vibrated so hard you couldn't see out of them the seat was so uncomfortable and you're holding your head on an angle and like just everything that you can think about what a sports sedan is was, that was, it. was poured into that little baby you might as well have been in Clem's Charger yeah and, and doing a doing a one oh, so at Winton it did a 129 um and if you compare that to an Audi R8 at Winton, they do one 19s. So 10 seconds at Winton. Um, at Phillip Island, it did a 44. And an Audi R8 at Phillip Island does, say, a 26. Yep. So it's a lot slower than that. But, but you're working a much harder. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You definitely, the brain powers um, and your, your mind is working overtime in the Red Rocket compared to an Audi for sure. Yep. Mm. Boys, I reckon we're going to start to roll it up. I'm going to be playing a little bit of uh, Melbourne Fuck Band Lake Minnetonka mm, in the background. Yep, and, you uh, are indeed. And those of you that caught episode 23 and those of you that are listening to 24, there is a slightly different theme music. It is a song by Lake Minnetonka, uh, Adam, uh, Fran and, and the guys and girls. The song is entitled Money Runs Out. Quite prophetically, we dedicated it, episode 23, to Aussie Driver Search, and sadly, it's all come to fruition. We'll do some page plugs, www.facebook.com backslash Lee Partridge Racing. <laughs> yep. Uh, Warbster? And uh, yes, you can find me at uh, www.facebook.com slash Racing Insiders. You'll find me at www.facebook.com backslash Podcast DSO. Uh, the sound engineer is out of action, so I don't even bother looking at his Instagram account. And uh, Lee Partridge, thank you so much for your time. Um, hopefully this isn't the last podcast that we catch up on. There's an open invitation if you want to come on board and, uh, and be a third host. I'd be more than happy to have you board, mate. Sounds good. Absolutely. You never know who's going to walk in the door when I walk in. Absolutely. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that rounds us out. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.